Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open to Habakkuk 1, 1 to 11. And let's read. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Habakkuk's complaint. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Or cry to you violence? And you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. The Lord's answer. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth, who seize dwellings not on their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand, at kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on, guilty man whose own might is their God. A bit over 10 years ago, Josh and I had the amazing privilege to travel for a bit of a year through Asia. And we spent quite a significant time in Central Asia. And I must say, I lost a bit of my heart there. Um, I absolutely love Central Asia. But we visited this country of Tajikistan. And the difference to Central Asia to some other countries is what I found is that when you're poor, you're really poor. The soil is so bad that you can't even plant a banana tree in your garden to grow bananas. If you don't have food, you don't have food. And that was quite visible. I felt, especially the western part of Tajikistan, as quite a spiritually dark place. And it was a very difficult condition to live there overall. And we visited this mission team. And there were such faithful people to serve the Lord in such difficult place, in such hard circumstances there. And what they did is they always prayed for protection. They prayed that the Lord would protect them as they go out and serve the people and preach the name of Jesus. And they prayed protection over their children's life. But a week or so before we got there, a little boy, I will change his name today to Max, one of the missionary kids fell, two years old he was, fell and slipped head first in a little sewage drain that often is in Central Asia and drowned. Why? Why? Why God? Why did you not just turn his head a centimeter so he can breathe oxygen? Why? 
Surely you could. His parents are serving you in Central Asia, living the most difficult lives that I have, could have possibly seen. For you? And you can't even turn Max's head? I struggled with that. I really wrestled with this question. Why is God not doing it? Today we are looking at a man in the Bible who struggles with exactly this issue too. He is struggling with this fact that God is not intervening. This man was a prophet and he ministered during the last days of the Assyrian Empire and during the rise of the Babylonian Empire roughly at about 620 to 587 BC. Habakkuk is his name. And he wrote down this oracle that we could see here right now, which is pretty unique in the Bible. It reminds us a bit of the book of Job, so where we see how the Lord and the human being actually have a proper conversation happening back and forth. We don't see this very often, but Habakkuk is one of these books, so it's very special. And Habakkuk grew up under King Josiah. And King Josiah was a good king. Under King Josiah, Habakkuk experienced prosperity and a massive religious revival. That was the season when the temple was rebuilt. That was Habakkuk's upbringing. But then King Josiah died in battle and his son, King Jehoiakim, had to say, and he was not a good guy. In fact, it says in the Bible in 2 Chronicles that Jehoiakim did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. It was a dark, dark period for Judah. And Habakkuk, his heart was aching. In the very first verses, we could read how he describes this whole period as violent, as destructive, as unjust, and as spiritual dark. He didn't understand what was happening to the nation. They were just so, doing so well. And all of a sudden, there was violence everywhere. Why God? So Habakkuk cried out, and the word cry here can actually also mean to scream or to cry in a really loud voice. He felt the pain. It also says right in the beginning that Habakkuk prayed for a long time. He asked God, how long, Lord, do I have to pray? And why? Why are you not listening? It's your people. There's violence everywhere. Just look around. Why are you not doing anything about it? Surely you could. What's going on here? And in fact, it was so, so, so bad that we can see in verse 4 that Habakkuk says that the law was paralyzed and that justice couldn't go forth. What Habakkuk meant by this is that the people were so sinful that they couldn't even keep the law anymore. He criticized the sinfulness of the people and not the failure of the law. So why then? Why is God not doing anything about it? I don't know about you. I don't know if in your life you are facing something really big. Maybe you are going through a season where life just doesn't make sense. Maybe you are going through a season in life where you just question God. You've prayed for a family member to come to faith and you prayed for him for a long, long, long time and God doesn't seem to do anything about it. Why? He could. He's God. Maybe you just face a really difficult diagnosis. Maybe one of your family members just got told a big, some big news. 
and you pray for healing and you believe that God can heal because he's God the healer. He could, couldn't he? He's God. So why is he, why is he not doing it? Why, Lord, if I ask you and if I pray, I pray in faith. Well, what about in Habakkuk's case? Did God just look? Or was God maybe just not doing it in Habakkuk's way? Let's see. God responded to Habakkuk. And grammatically now, it's quite important in the scripture to realize that the Lord is now speaking in plural, which means that the Lord is not just answering to Habakkuk himself, but he's now addressing the whole nation of Judah. And he doesn't defend his answer, he's God. And instead he answers in three imperatives. He says, look, see, and be astounded. And that shows that God is at work. And then God says that he will raise up those Chaldeans, that nation, that bitter and hasty nation. They are the Babylonians. That nation was just about themselves. They were violent and way more violent than Judah at the time. And it says that they are just their own gods. They were under King Nebuchadnezzar II. And this is the same king that we read about in Daniel 4, how Titus pride, he, he actually fairly lost his mind and he lived like an animal for many years. That was the nation. It wasn't a good time for Judah. That was the period. So why did God choose to raise them up? In verse 8, we see that their horses are swifter than leopards and that they're more fierce than the evening wolves. And that combination is not good. The military was pretty strong. They already controlled most of the Northeast. They were organized. And now that nation came to Judah. It wasn't good news. So why again? Why would God do this? Why would God send a nation that is more violent to judge Judah? In Deuteronomy, we can read that God promised his nation that he would bless them if they keep his commandments, but that he would also punish them if they choose to walk their own way, that he would discipline them. There was the promise. And God did this out of love, because God is love. He can't do anything else. I was struggling with this as I prepared, and I was just sitting at home, and I was like, but God, you could. I just really had this righteous anger in me a bit. And of course, I think of moments in my life where I discipline my children and I can probably see further ahead than they do and I do it out of love and for them the world ends. But I see the bigger picture. So I had this in mind and I was like, yeah, all right, okay, you know. And I also look back in my life where my parents always told me to go to Sunday school and um, there was a season I didn't quite like it because all we had to do was to sit in a circle and the teacher walked around like that. And we had to listen. It wasn't as fun as today, I think. But my parents said to me, Leona, it's not, we don't even have to ask us again next Sunday. You are going full stop. There was no negotiation. My opinion didn't count in this moment. But looking back, I could see what good values it also planted in me. And I could also see that to live out the Christian life means commitment. So there was something in it that I learned. I couldn't see this at the time, but later on I could. But still, in Habakkuk's case, 
He must have been just so confused, not knowing what was happening, not understanding God. It can be hard in life to not understand what is going on, can't it? But then God says in verse 11, that Babylon will sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty man whose almighty is their God. God touches Babylon on their own actions. He is not liking what they are doing. He does not support their behavior. He is not doing any of this. Because God will always stay true to his character. Always. And he is just. He is just. So it was a pretty unexpected answer that God gave Habakkuk after this first complaint. But what God showed Habakkuk and also what we can learn today were three things. Firstly, that God is at work and he is doing it his way. I say this again. God is at work right now as we are sitting here and he is doing it his way. The second point is that God has the eternal perspective and you don't. I don't. He has the eternal perspective. He's in control of all of world's history. He sees the future, he sees the present, he sees it all. And he is in control. And God does also not have to meet your expectations. Sometimes I feel like in our Christian walk, we pray in a way that we already give God the answer to how he should answer. Maybe it's just me. Lord, I got it all sorted to do you, amen. That would help. Let's go. We can do it. But I think it's important to recognize always that he is God and we are not. Even in difficult moments. He is God. He is Yahweh. We are not. So my question to you is today, when you think of this difficult circumstance you were thinking of before, like the friend you're praying for to come to faith or, or the diagnosis you just had to, f to swallow down, or the family member you're praying for who is going through a whole lot right now. Are you trusting in your own expectations of God? Or are you trusting in his character? After God's first answer, Habakkuk still struggled. He was wrestling. He heard God, he heard him, he heard his answer. But his heart was just not ready yet. So he was like, Lord, I just need, I need more. I need more than this. And then Habakkuk said that he will go on a watchtower. Let's read Habakkuk 2, verses 1 to 3. Habakkuk said, I will climb my watchtower now and wait to see what answer God will give to my complaint. And the Lord said to me, write my answer on a billboard, large and clear, so that Anyone can read it and glance and rush to tell others. But these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be over to you a single day. Habakkuk saw himself as a watchman, and a watchman back then was a man who, who was on those watchtowers and they overlooked and looked out for danger and they warned the city if there was any danger coming. And if you failed to do so, the people would get the watchman's hand and dive it in the blood of those who died 
and stay in the hands. Not fun. I didn't want to have that done to me. So Habakkuk took this pretty serious, this whole conversation here with the Lord. He saw himself as a watchman. He wanted to hear from God. He wanted to hear what the Lord had to say to his nation. And God answered. God asked Habakkuk to do three things. Firstly, to write down the vision. Secondly, to trust God's word. And thirdly, to declare his judgment. Habakkuk writes down the vision, which is really why we have the book of Habakkuk today. Praise be to God, eh? It's quite amazing to think about this as such. But he writes down the, the, the message because it tells something to himself, but also to Judah, but also to all the future generations. Because what we can often see in prophecies is that it has an immediate application, but often additionally, it has another application that quite often points to another person that is pretty important in our faith, Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what happened here in the book of Habakkuk. And God wanted Habakkuk to write it down so all the future generations could see how this story is already interlinking with Jesus Christ. And the author of the book of Hebrews picked it up. He picked up verse 3, and we can read in Hebrews 10, 37 to 39, where it says, He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. So Habakkuk writes down the vision, not just for himself and not just for Judah, but so that we can even read today this word and see how the Lord prophesied to Jesus Christ. God then asked Habakkuk to trust his word. In the second reply that God gave Habakkuk, he gave him three assurances. The first one we can see in verse 4, where it says, The just shall live by faith. There was an insurance, there was a promise. The second one was in Habakkuk 2.14, where he assures him that the world is corrupt and full of evil, but that the day will come when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. What a promise. And the third assurance was in Habakkuk 2.20. And it focuses on the government. And it's pointing out that, all, that God can make nations rise and let them fall down, but that he is holy and that he alone is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. God is asking his people, he's asking you today to trust his word. If you are going through all the circumstances you are currently facing, do you trust his word? Do you trust what he promised you? And finally, Habakkuk asked God, or God asked Habakkuk to declare his judgment. And the Lord answered with different woe articles, like woe statements. And he declared five different sins that the Babylonians were doing. And all of that we can actually see in the world quite present today. Selfish ambition, creed, the misuse or the misuse of names of other names, drunkenness and violence, and idolatry. But the challenge that this chapter is facing us today or is giving us today is the choice. It's your choice to choose whether you want to walk in the, way, in the world's way 
or if you actually decide to walk in God's way. It's easy said, it's hard done. I know that I struggle with that. So can I ask you, when you look for strength and security in your life, who do you turn to? To money? To success? Maybe even to fame? To other people? Think about it. I sometimes find it quite almost nerve-wracking that the Lord knows, and also comforting that the Lord knows every single thought. He knows it anyway. So be honest to him. Wrestle it through with him. Talk to him about it. Give it to him. Say, Lord, I actually, to be honest, I actually struggle with this. I'd rather have 5,000 different life insurances than to trust that you will take care of me in the future. Clearly, there's a problem. Help me. Jesus, help me. What does that mean for me, that you are my God? Habakkuk then answers God, but something has changed. Something changed. He doesn't answer God anymore with a third complaint, but he answers God in a prayer. I want to read now a few verses of chapter 3. So we're going to read from chapter 3, the verses 1 to 6, and then 13 to 16. And just listen to how Habakkuk responds to God. This is the prayer of the prophet Habakkuk. O Lord, I have heard of what you have done. And I am filled with awe. No one again in our times, the great deeds you do, you used to do. Be merciful even when you are angry. God is coming again from Edom. The holy God is coming from the hills of Paran. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. He comes with the brightness of lightning. Light flashes from his hand. There were his power is hidden. He sends disease before him and commands death to follow him. When he stops, the earth shakes. At his glance, the nations tremble. The eternal mountains are shattered. The everlasting hills sink down. The hills where he walked in ancient times. Verse 13. You went out to save your people. You saved your chosen king. You struck down the leader of the wicked and completely destroyed his followers. Your arrows pierced the commanders of his army when it came like a storm to scatter us, clothing like those who secretly oppressed the poor. You trembled the sea with your horses and the mighty waters formed. I hear all this and I tremble. My lips quiver with fear. My body goes limp and my feet stumble beneath me. I will quietly wait for the time to come when God will punish those who attack us. We can see in these few verses how much Habakkuk was already in awe of God. Something changed in his heart. And then he finishes with the verses, even though the fig tree have no fruit, and many of you probably know this verse, and no grapes grow on the vines. Even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no grain, even though the sheep all die and the cattle stalls are empty, I will be still, I will still be joyful and glad because the Lord God is my Savior. The sovereign Lord gives me strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer and keeps me safe on the mountains. Amen. Isn't that the good answer to come to, to an end? So what happened? What happened? 
I believe the book of Habakkuk is a beautiful, beautiful example in the world today how Habakkuk's circumstances did not change at all, but his heart did. We could see in the beginning of the book how Habakkuk really struggled with God. He screamed in this loud voice. He's asking, why are you not doing anything, Lord? The Lord then answers and Habakkuk is still struggling and then he goes on his watchtower. He's like, God, come on, I need more. Why is it? And the Lord answers. And then Habakkuk embraces him. Not for what God was or wasn't doing or for fulfilling Habakkuk's expectation, but for who he is. For who he is. If the world around you does not make sense, if life at the moment is just difficult, if you know of someone whose world doesn't make sense, can I ask you where you plant your faith on? Where you plant your securities on and all your questions? Do you trust that God's character is enough to bring joy back into your life? I'm not saying that you can't grieve. I'm not saying that you can't cry and that emotions are good. God has given us emotions. I know that too well. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that in this difficult moment, while you're going through this difficult thing you're going through right now, while you do not understand God and why he's not doing what he sh should be doing in your opinion, trust in his character and I promise you, it's a promise that he has given, that he will plant his joy in your heart despite the circumstances you're going through. And this is my prayer for all of us. So the truth is, I don't know the answer why the Lord is or isn't doing something. I have no idea. I don't think anybody in this room does. I don't know why he seems to heal some and why he doesn't seem to heal others. No idea. But I do know that he's love. And I do know that he's faithful. And I do know that he's merciful and that he is just. I also know that he is for us and not against us, it says in Romans 8.31. And I know that he saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace that was given to us in Jesus, says in 2 Timothy 1.9. I know that his grace is sufficient for you because his power is made perfect in weakness, 2 Corinthians 12.9. It is not about how you pray how much you pray, what type of prayer you have. Don't beat yourself up and thinking, my goodness, I prayed now so long for this. Maybe I don't have the faith and go on this whole crisis. We're living under grace. We are. Pray. The Lord is asking all of us to pray. Pray. But I believe also that this prayer and this wrestle that Habakkuk went through with God was the actual miracle of Habakkuk's heart changed. And I pray that we would be a church where our hearts wouldn't be hardened, but that our hearts would continue to be soft. So the Lord can shape us and mold us to the person he wants us to be. And I believe in order to do so, we need to stay in prayer. We need to be close to him. But if you are discouraged in life, if you do not understand it, trust in him and trust in his character. It was a hard lesson to learn for me with little Max's life. I struggled a lot with that. I still don't know the answer. I don't get it. 
But the only conclusion is that I know that my God is love and my God is just. And that we need to hold on to those truths in life. So I want to remember, I want to remind you that God is at work and that he is doing it his way. That God has the eternal perspective and you don't and I don't. And that God does not have to meet your expectations because he is Yahweh. He knows it all. He's God. Let me finish by reading Romans 11, 33 to 36. It says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the might of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. If you would like prayer today, if you're actually going through a big thing, if you would just someone to stand with you in front of Jesus and ask for it, Please come. I would love to pray with you as well. There's obviously people out there in the back later on, uh, here in front. Um, but we would love to be family, to be God's children together. Second, Jesus, Lord, we just thank you so much, God, that you are the Lord of Lord and the God of God, Lord. That you are Yahweh. Jesus, we thank you that you are good, that you are just, that you are merciful, Lord, and that you have world history in your hands. Jesus, you see our lives, you see the past, the present, and the future. And Lord, we, we are honest and we say that sometimes we are frustrated and we don't understand what is going on in this world, why some people are suffering so much, why you sometimes listen to some prayers and not to others. We don't get it. But Jesus, we want to stand here today and say that we trust in your character. And that you are enough, Lord. I pray for your church here. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would shape everyone's hearts to be more like you, Christ. I pray for those people who are going through a difficult season in their lives right now, Jesus, that you give them the strength to continue to pray. And if they are weak in their prayers, that they would ask others to pray for them. Lord, but maybe do this Christian life well together. We can't do it alone, Lord. You ask us to do it in community. And I pray that we would. Jesus, we commit our future into your precious hands. We want to say we love you. And we are excited for how you build your kingdom on earth. And we want to ask you that you use us. Use us however you want, Lord. In your precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.